Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome, guys, to this week's episode of Grace. I'm Nana. And I'm Yasha. And today, today we've <laughs> special episode for you guys because we've, as we love to do, felt the need to contextualize something and to put things into perspective. So we're going on a bit of a history lesson today. Um, I know. We, yeah, we are going to go on a history lesson all about the Afro. Mm-hmm. Why did we think it was so important to do this episode today? Uh, because um, feedback, obviously, feedback mm. from our listeners, who we love, we can never of thank course. you. But um, it seems to be a, a divide. There's almost mm-hmm. like, because obviously we've got listeners who are young. Um, yep. in the, uh, I think all our listeners are young. <laughs> the lengths of youngness vary. <laughs> we've got we've got people who remember the seventies and were a part of the seventies. Mm. We've got people that, um, <clears throat> you know, are our grandmothers now, uh, great grandmothers. We've got people who are still in high school. People. Yeah. Who about to leave you know so we've got different ages and different generations and somebody called me out on something I said (laughs) (laughs) as you guys love to do we love it the shade shade people throw (laughs) I think I sometimes in because I know that the afro is a hairstyle but I also know that it's people just call our hair afro hair Yeah. Um, I said something in an episode I can't remember which episode it was and these these young girls came to me in my DMs it's like that <laughs> we're kind in these DMs please like, well, you said you said that the afro is not our hair it's a hairstyle and I was like no I didn't say that and okay I said that <laughs> and that's when I realized okay we need to sort of bridge the gap yeah absolutely because um Technically speaking, mm-hmm. historically speaking, the Afro is a hairstyle. Right. It's not our hair. And it didn't start off being called the Afro. The Afro. Yeah. The reason it was called the Afro was to, it was tied into identity. It was just a whole big thing. Yeah. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, um, lines got blurred. Yeah. As they sometimes. And with, with, the passage of time, mm-hmm. most words that we use today, uh, if you look back in history, go back 20 years, 30 years, 50 yeah. years, those words no longer mean what? The same thing. Yeah, because language evolves, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, it's a very broad area, isn't it? And it it's is. Very, it's huge. So how do we move forward yes. with that having honest conversations this is a and I think a big way we do that is just going back and contextualizing ourselves on this and really thinking about you know the the significance of it then and where it started and what it has become now today just so we can learn from it as well you know learn to keep the good and really evaluate and reevaluate maybe change some of the things so the first thing really is well where did the afros we know it in terms of the hairstyle begin okay so it didn't start off um, the way we now know it or the way that became popular. What actually happened was, so prior to the 1950s or even part of the 1950s, you had um, black communities. Mm. Uh, and because of 
colonialism because of just the way the world was. Mm. Black people straightened their hair. Mm -hmm. They used the pressing comb and pomades and they, they did everything to make their hair straight. Yeah, yeah. That's what was expected and required of them. And America plays a really large part in this mm. just because of a huge black population. Yeah. There. And we all know how the majority of them wound up there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of them had had... <clears throat> their culture if not all of them have had their culture taken and their identity stripped away from them but this wasn't just happening in america this mm. this of culture and identity happened even in in colonized countries and so the africans who lived in africa had to conform yeah. to 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 europe centric standards of beauty but in the 50s and the 60s, we started to see a shift. So in the late 50s, you've got a small number of young black female dancers. Mm -hmm. They were dancers, they were jazz musicians, they were artists. Mm. And they had to straighten their hair. Obviously, you press your hair and it stays straight until it gets wet. Yeah, <laughs> or until you sweat it out. <laughs> exactly. So if you're dancing, they found that they were on stage. They had to straighten their hair. Then they go in there on stage, dancing and doing what they're doing. And then the hair starts to revert. Right. So a few of them just thought, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. So they just cut their hair mm -hmm. and just wore their hair short. Right. At just, the time. Mm. Go on. No, I was just saying, just like a practical move there, right? It's nothing sort of political or anything at that point. It's just practical. It just makes sense to do it that way because just we're dancing, we're sweating out our hair. Yeah. yeah. It was like a big chop. It would have been really nice to... um to speak to one of the people that was there at the time, there's a lady called Ruth Beckford. Right. It was part of, of these, this group of women that cut their hair um, and, and just decided enough is enough. And they, it was, the press didn't even know what to say mm -hmm. about it. They, they just said, oh, they are wearing their hair close cropped, which okay. we now call the big chop, isn't it? Yeah, like the TWA. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So at the time it was just like, oh, it's a close crop, it's a close crop. And bearing in mind that most men who were in professional industries at the time would have had their hair short anyway. Yeah. It was almost like, oh, what is going on? So it did, it was an interesting time because at the same time in the late 50s, early 60s, what then also happened was um, you've got the civil rights movement starting to take off. Right, yeah. A few African countries gaining independence from the UK. At the same time, yeah. Other, you know, other, yeah. other European colonizers. And mm -hmm. so around 1960, you find students in historically black universities, yeah. um, they, because they weren't working, they could get away with styling their hair how they wanted to. Yeah, of course. It started being something that showed sympathy right. for the civil rights movement. And they just felt like, you know what, this is who we are. We're going yeah. to reduce this. So these, these female students started to um, cut off their hair. They stopped straightening it. And funny enough, they got ridiculed for it. Of course, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. What was the response um, both at this point and, and also before as well. 
Well, within the communities, you can imagine mm. that of black community norms right okay so the community is thinking you are going to have us targeted how are you going to get jobs you are drawing attention it was just it was it was difficult because Mm. they're saying well we are and then you've got the elders within the community some of them not all of them who are saying no don't do that you know Mm. I suppose if we squint and look carefully today you still see certain things that happen put your head down and don't do anything like that. Mm. Um, Bruce Beckford, she used to perform with a lady called Catherine Dunham. And right. she said people were confused. They, they mm. didn't know what to do. And <laughs> she actually once got asked by somebody if she was a man. Oh. Yeah. So it was, they got loads of stares. People mm. would look shocked, like, what and then there was yeah. the ridicule and then there was also insults there's there's reports of people being in, um insulted for wearing a style that was perceived as appalling it's like yeah. why breaking out of the norm yeah and people thought well in order to look good in order to look groomed mm-hmm. in order to look tidy your hair should be straightened right See what I feel very strongly about certain terms? Yes, definitely. It just brought to mind that episode that we did do where we talked about terminology and where certain words have come from and the way in which we talk about hair and why it's so important. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like I look at it now today and it's very comfortable to do so in 2019 and think, well, how crazy is it that we're being penalised for wearing our hair in its natural state the way God intended it to be? Yeah. But this is criticism, criticism coming not only from you know our white counterparts, but it's from our own yeah. communities. Yeah. And what was interesting as well, you'll find in the 60s, um, the, the, the black students, a few black students who were, to all intents purpose and purposes, isolated by mm. being at predominantly white universities. Yeah. There are reports that state that the radical elements within the white community actually were very supportive of them mm. expressing true natural self. Ooh, Mainstream, conventional white people thought it came across as violent. (laughs) Interesting. There are are these, um, I am quoting publications. There is a PhD um, paper that I'm quoting. So we will have Mm. references up for anybody who wants to go and dig deeper. There's some reference material out there of research that has been done Mm -hmm. for our benefit on our behalf by scholars out there, by people that love for for <clears throat> the story of our hair. So please right. people go back and inform yourself. Don't this just inform me. Um go and read up on these things. This is what yeah. we ask. Talk to look if you know anybody who is over the age of sixty, mm-hmm. talk to them. Sit down have a conversation exactly. Ask them. Right. Because they were young. They were you 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they were popping. They were the in thing. They were radical. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they were young and they had they they had an opinion and they did something yeah. about it. So ask these ones. Ask your grannies. Ask your your aunts. Ask anybody, male and female, because with time, what started to happen was <clears throat> the afro started to grow. Mm-hmm. So the shape changed. Obviously, the hair was growing. Yeah. And eventually only hair that was cut in a large round shape was called an afro. Right. Were cool. And then with yeah. this as well, we've yeah. got that 
yeah sorry with this as well we've got the mainstream um recognition of it as well right which you know what I yes we do but it's like mm, it made me squint a little bit to to learn yeah. this stuff just because <clears throat> there was I don't know how I feel about it but anyway we'll just bring facts mm. and people can make up their own their own mind um yeah so you, you're looking at, by, by 1966, you've got the Black Panther doing what it was doing. You've got yeah. these images of Black Panther people. So initially it was a question of, this is, we're embracing our identity. We're rejecting yeah. the norms. This is, right. this is what we're going to do. So you now start having characters on telly in Black shows with an Afro, male and female. Right. Yeah. And then um, I think there was a TV series called The Mod Squad. Mm. And, and um one of the stars, I think his name was Clarence Williams III, he had an Afro in that. Right. And then Pepsi, they did an advert featuring women with large Afros. Mm-hmm. And you've got cigarettes. Remember, people could advertise cigarettes positively in 1968. Yeah. Ken cigarettes advertising cigarettes. You've got Carson Sheen advertising their products even though they still had a large percentage of their products aimed at straightening hair, saying mm. that beautiful people use Carson Sheen products and they've got images of the Afro. And mm. then <clears throat> Patrick Litchfield photographed Marsha Hunt. Mm. And if you don't know who Marsha Hunt is, I'm side-eyeing you. Look it <laughs> up. Oh, okay. Look up. Do your research. Yes. Look it up because she was photographed, and I mean, look, the man is a legend. Patrick Leachfield's work is incredible, mm. but that's a bit make me squint my eyes. So basically, Marsha Hunt was photographed nude, mm-hmm. apart from her big afro and um, ankle bands and mm. stuff like that. You know, just. <laughs> what these days people would call appropriation of something or the other. Um, <laughs> she was photographed. For British really Africa. iconic photo as well. Yes, in 1969. Yeah. And that took the Afro from being a symbol of, of resistance and a rejection of Eurocentric norms and beauty standards. Yeah. And... A lot of the generation now, so you've got the ones that have been fighting it from the late 50s and the 60s. The 66, you've got the height of, you know, the Black Panther movement. Yeah. And then you've got people being, being, um, ter- well, not, I want to be careful how I use my words. You've got people being arrested by mm. the police because of their activism for work and um, for yeah. the you know, civil rights. And You've now also got images going out mm-hmm. mainstream of people with afros, and that almost served to weaken right the, the purpose of that. Yeah, of the this is who we are, yeah. and then it made it something that is fashionable. Yeah, almost became something fashionable because that's when you now to start seeing afro pics. With 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 the um with the fist on them yeah it was like it people who market saw in and that almost weakened so much so that you've got people who I I've been talking to older ones who remember this generation and asking them and the question I keep asking is 
what did the hairstyle represent to you? Yeah. A fashion statement, was it identity mm. or was it just one of those, oh, it's the trend? Yeah. And the older generation will tell you it was definitely tied into their blackness. Yeah. About identity, self-acceptance and saying we are beautiful mm-hmm. just the way we are. Yeah. And then you've got other people now who are still of that generation, but who would have been younger. Yeah. Were influenced more by the, it was fashionable. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh no, it was the thing. It was the in thing. And it was what all the cool people did. Every cool person had an Afro. So much so that the Afro wig became a big thing. And um, Caucasian people would get their hair sort of blown out yeah yeah no it was just permed a perm and an afro into the shape Mm. um and obviously the word afro stems from them being it's afrocentric it's from ah okay identity yeah because before gone well moment um only because I remember you know around the time I was transitioning um I would try out these sort of styles on my hair there was one day in particular I went um into class and my teacher had said to me you know oh like 70s 80s non-black teacher um 70s 80s we'd all sort of wear our hair out like this as well (laughs) I and I was like okay yes what's what's going on here style this makes sense now um and I'm almost conflicted by what you're saying as well because I understand you know obviously the meaning behind it and of the issues that surrounded you know a generation of people wearing their hair as an acceptance of themselves and as a form of resistance but equally the 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 whitewashing of it almost in mainstream media but then I'm also thinking about the young because of the hair and felt that it was okay to grow out her hair as an afro without having to because representation is important right mm-hmm. definitely yeah and I think along with that there's so many lessons that then we learn as well through that because well what's happening now in terms of how the afro quote-unquote or natural hair is being showcased and how do we prevent yes. the dip that eventually happens that led to the whole next generation of us relaxing definitely. and turning our hair yeah this is this is it because um, for those that went to work, see there, there is a lot of um, there there was a lot of of prejudice. There was yeah. a lot of discrimination. People people couldn't people couldn't even go to work in cornrows. Mm. Um, they would lose their jobs. Yeah, you know, um, and we're talking in the seventies. Yeah, um, and yet in parts of America, as recent as last year, there's people going to court to try and be allowed to wear their hair in in styles that they feel are natural style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think something definitely happened once it stopped being a symbol mm. of blackness. And I just want to reiterate it. They weren't doing it as a means to be Fashion. violent mm. or to, to pro- it, it wasn't, it was just a question of look, this is how our hair grows. Yeah. We are not going to keep burning our scalps. We are not going to keep cooking our hair yeah. 
just to fit in with something we will never fit into again. Yeah. Honestly, guys, if you know anyone who is over the age of 60, mm-hmm. talk to them. Yeah. Because I'm currently compiling research on wigs and weaves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> so much happened at that time. Mm. And, and it just it's good to make informed decisions and to make informed choices. I think especially around how we use language and how we talk about things and how we, we pass on information to the next generations, because there's definitely a generation of people that dropped the ball. Yeah. They didn't carry on the work that had been started in the late fifties. They, they simply didn't. And they, they went from this, this this self-acceptance that had been embraced to oh well once somebody said the afro was no longer popular in mainstream media Mm. it fell out of fashion and they all went and it's not to judge it's not a judgment at all Mm -hmm. it's just simply this is what happened Mm. people went for the jerry curl the jerry perm there was a jerry afro where you you had jerry curl and it was styled into an afro. Yeah. Um, but with that also came the whole alteration of our curl pattern mm-hmm. to something that's not real. Yeah. And I think that has carried on in this desire and this need for my curls need to pop, pop a certain way. Wow. And it's like if that isn't your natural hair texture, yeah. how healthy is that for your mind to try and force your hair to do something that it naturally can't do? Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think <laughs> this is not scientific, but I have a feeling from the research I've done, yeah. I have a feeling that that car- attitude is a carry-on from the Jericho oh. because the Jericho was still not straight. Yeah. But it was curls. And it was a looser curl. It was was a curl that was more acceptable. It was less violent. Do you know what I mean? Um, To the eyes of those who perceived it as such. And also, I mean, the black community has to hold its hands up and say, yeah, there are those elements within the black community that were part of the problem because they did not encourage the embracing of one's true self. And so this generation comes and works really hard. And then all of a sudden, somebody's dropped the ball. And then you've got the straight perm coming in. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We are not going to name any particular name brands here, but the straight perm came in. Mm. So you're talking the late 80s, the 90s, the straight perm became a thing, even in a lot of African countries where it's almost like, oh, well, we relax our hair. Um, and it, it's straight. It's a sign of affluence. It's a sign of being quote unquote educated. It's a sign of having money. It's a sign of being civilized yeah which is really the same rhetoric that was there when people started wearing their afro right it's the same yeah yeah and that's what they rejected yeah that's what they rejected so to in in a single lifetime see all their work undone yeah and to get to where we are today and they're doesn't seem to be the right sort 
I'm weighing my words carefully. Mm. <laughs> um, there doesn't seem to be the right sort of progress that has been made. And I think a lot of that has to do with language. Definitely. Because I think language then influences the um, attitudes we develop towards our hair. Yeah. And it's actually and so it's, mm. Yeah. And it starts when they're little. Yeah. Starts when babies are small. It's it's what we're doing to children. Yeah. From the time they are born. Yeah. It's it's how we talk about their hair. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, if people want to go up onto the to the blog, go and read. There's an article on how to care for children's hair on the blog. Yeah. Brilliant. It's very definitive. The definitive guide to, cur- to caring for a curly child's hair. Mm. So easy, so simple. They can go and read up on it there because that's where the problems start because a lot of us, by the time we are 8, 9, 10, either love our hair or hate our hair. Yeah. And then it just gets worse as we get older. It does. And it's harder as well to break um, that, that, that talk, that language that's been instilled in you for so long. It's, it's much harder to learn to genuinely love your hair if you've always hated it yeah Mm. definitely i i totally agree with that and it's it's you've also got people who love their hair but it's almost in an unhealthy way um and and to me that is not healthy because you are making out that i don't know i don't think you fight an evil with another evil yeah you need to have a balanced regard of who you are as a person mm. and, and of your identity. Everybody's identity matters. Mm. When children are taught to love themselves and their hair in an unhealthy way, they automatically learn to be intolerant of someone else whose hair texture is not quite the same as theirs. It's almost mm. like, well, I love my hair because my hair is special than this, and, but your hair is not like my hair. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I don't love your hair. And therefore, why do you love your hair? The things that we say to children and the way children understand them, it's, you know, nobody's ever going to get everything right. Mm-hmm. But just just, just think very carefully. This is yeah. why language is so important. And, and be aware of what you choose to expose yourself to. And I say choose to because at the end of the day, we all know that products and, and companies or product manufacturers, most of them, will jump onto any trend. Yeah. They'll jump onto anything that's selling. And right now there's this whole inclusion mm-hmm. that I'm thinking, well, how long is this going to last? last. Yeah. Absolutely. And what happens when the next big thing comes along mm-hmm. to our community? What happens in terms of that representation and that inclusivity? Yeah. Because now every well no that's that's an overstatement. But <sighs> you, you sometimes get these these um celebrities who shall remain nameless. Um who don't wear their own natural hair. We never see them yeah. in their own natural hair. They're always in pieces. They're always in wigs. They're always in something. Mm. And then they come and they tell you, oh, I have a line of hair products. Where, girl? Where? Why? What? Yeah. What do you know about hair? Yeah. And that in itself is part of the problem that led to the decline of that love for our identity yeah. Yeah. in the first place. Wow. Not every dollar is a good dollar. Mm-hmm. At least definitely not for, uh, especially if you've got daughters. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to have the same self-hate issues that we're trying to combat. 
Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I'm really just sort of taking this in as well because it's so easy to say, oh, well, it's just hair. Mm-hmm. And the attitudes and the way in which we talk, think about our hair. For me, the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is just that whole thing about curl defi- definition, curls popping, the linking of it to the jerry curl, the whitewashing of the afro, um, and just tracing back. So you made a really interesting point earlier about, you know, loving your hair in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And that attitude that we have towards our hair and and that that need for curls to pop. And I'm speaking from my own experience, you know, that that have a certain definition and to do that, to achieve that, we then use every other kind of product, which in yeah. the long run isn't working, isn't good for our hair. But just to exactly. achieve something, why? Because we haven't really come to a full acceptance of just ourselves. Yeah, you know, and oh, your hair is fine. This is your hair is fine as it is. It's absolutely fine. And who says every every anybody with curly hair has got a curl pattern? Now that might be really really tight curl. It might be really small. But when your hair is healthy, yeah. when your hair is he- healthy, anybody who's up close will be able to see your curl pattern, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's yeah. beautiful. The thing is, can we focus on making sure that along with the rest of our bodies, our hair is healthy? That's important. And teaching children to value and to look after themselves, it goes down to your diet. It goes down to yeah. exercise, your lifestyle, your whole existence. Yeah. Um, because hair is a huge part of it and it's your identity. And yeah. boy, you don't know how important it is until your until hair wants grown. It can't grow. Yeah. yeah. It's true. And it's, it's that whole mindset that impacts everything. It's not. It's about hair, but it's not just hair. Because if you are unhappy with how your hair is, chances are you're unhappy about other parts of yourself that exactly. you should be celebrating, right? Yes, yes. And and one of the things they said early on was they for so long they had been told that their noses are unacceptable, their lips are unacceptable, their hair is unacceptable, the, their whole essence. It's almost like it's not beautiful. Yeah, and they fought against that by saying, "Actually, we are going to embrace who we are." Mm. But then, when it starts being showcased in the media as an everyday thing, as a cool thing, as that's what the cool people do, then, like you were saying, the non-black people had Afros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just became so. The Afro is a hairstyle. Yeah. Originally, because of the African descent, that's just how our hair grows naturally. But even then, not every natural hairstyle was regarded as an Afro. Yeah. Now, what I find interesting about this conversation, just from a media perspective, is the way in which we as and, and our culture are able to influence media. We do. Mm-hmm. Even today, we've birthed coconut oil into mainstream mm-hmm. <laughs> I see coconut oil everywhere. For example. And sheer butter. And sheer butter everywhere, not just in black products. That's because we've birthed that into it. Now, what I don't know if we have enough is control over that or ownership of that because representation is so important. We need to see ourselves represented on screen. However, if we are not the ones who realise the impact that has and what the things that we buy, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, if we don't realise the influence of those choices that we make, it's so easy for the things that we hold in now to completely evaporate 10 years down the line. 
you know we're all big on being natural now for example but if someone was to bring out a natural relaxer which has no damages hypothetically Mm -hmm. what would what would we be seeing in our screens in the next 10 years you know and how much of it this is it how much ownership are we taking of the influence that we as consumers have on what is being put out there we don't want to undo everything yeah the same way the jerry curl did for example Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i agree with you i i do agree with you but this is where to me as an industry professional I feel that this has to start with the stakeholders within Mm -hmm. the industry need to to realize that our identity is important Mm. and we need to change certain elements of how we do certain things. And I think we need to work together more. Absolutely. Um, we, we, We need to have... There's so many people with a voice when it comes to natural hair care that are not trained to understand mm. hair. Mm-mm. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. That, that is a starting point. There's so many people out there making products from a place yeah. of only fixing their own personal problems. Yeah. And then they disseminate information that is not scientifically accurate accurate yeah i think people who are trained hair professionals need to do more but then yeah, yeah we we're all busy trying to you know we, we're busy make our coins. <laughs> but it's not just making coins it's like you're servicing your clients you you are doing what you're doing with your clients yeah. but at the same time i think we need to value the right sort of information if you want to make a beauty brand mm. if you want to make a hair care line good now talk to somebody who understands you know, hair, yeah. not just you, not just you. Yeah. You see, when you look at, at um, mainstream or established hair product manufacturers, mm. they have R&D. They have a team of people that do research into certain things. They have a team of trichologists that they will work with. They work, they go to the right places to get the right information. And this mm. is what enables their brands to have longevity. How many African hair care brands do we know today that are controlled yeah. by black people? Not African, okay, whatever you want to call it, black. Yeah. Look at black hair um, product companies. Who owns them? Mm. Who owns them? Who is behind the research that is being done? And what is this research being done on? And who are they talking to? You know, you've got people coming Mm. up with all these initiatives to celebrate black hair. Great. But what do you know about it? Yeah. And who are you talking to that knows about hair? Mm -hmm. Because as long as we continue to just be motivated by a need to make money, it will never be generational wealth. Yeah. Because the business will die with you. And then what? 20 years from now, what have we left our community? Mm, wow. Yeah. Those are just things to think about. It is. And things. it's not little things. It's like it's big things to think about. Yes. And it's important because, like you said, if we don't fix up, we'll yeah. be back here again in 10 years' time. Absolutely. We'll be back here in 10 years' time. <laughs> wow <laughs> I think on that note it's like we want to leave that with you as your moment of yes, grace of grace yeah just absolutely. stop and think stop and think about what you're mm. doing and why and don't always be motivated by money and educate yourself 
yeah. educate yourself and watch your language. Watch how you mm-hmm. speak, especially on children's hair. Watch what you're doing with it. This can we stop styling children's hair? They're little, they're babies. They, Leave them alone. This is, a, this is it. We don't need babies to have edges on point. Like we just it doesn't need to be a thing. It doesn't it doesn't need to be. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I'm excited because next week's episode, we're next going to look week. at the African experience of it. So we're, going to be looking, it. we're doing research and we're talking to our, um, you know, to our, our ukogos who are yeah. giving us information on what was happening. So yeah. look, guys, if you have information that you want to send to send us, it send it to us via Instagram. Yeah. Just, just send it to us via Instagram or if yeah. you have our number, you know, you know how to find us. You usually you find do. us. You do a great you job. Do. <laughs> ask them, and ask them and tell different. us tell us what they remember because yeah. again we have to tell our own story if we don't ask these mm. ones once they leave and they're not here anymore mm. all we're going to have is hearsay and the word mm-hmm. of a white person who bothered to do the research and document research. Ooh, child. <laughs> wow for sure <laughs> and on that note I have been Nyasha <laughs> this is Nana thank you so much for listening in guys like, you know, we've taken so much just from having this discussion and we really hope you do as well I'm excited for next week um, really thinking about the African experience the Caribbean and in the UK what happened as well exactly. but then also thinking about what's happened for us now and what it means for us we've covered that a little bit today yeah. let's go into that a little bit further next week Definitely. as well Yay. Okay. have a lovely week guys we'll see you we'll next see time see you next week <laughs> bye, bye. bye. <laughs>